Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. It's okay, guys. On Mother's Day, we celebrate moms, but today is your day. Own it. It's okay. So, you know, my family, today's a grill and chill day. I'll operate the grill because I'm the best at that job. That's an anointing God has given me. And so we don't want burnt offerings to the Lord. We want perfect succulent steaks and chicken, right? And so it's grill and chill. But other than that, they can clean up stuff and do whatever. Amen? Can I get... My wife didn't say amen very loud, but... Okay, you did. You did. That's right, woman. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Those of you who don't know me, the real pastor will be back next week. But now my name is Pastor Andy. This is Pastor Kristen. And we just love being here in this community. Uh, We love you. And uh, we just think it's such an honor and privilege to be able to speak into your lives the things that God has been really dealing with in our hearts and our lives as we go through this journey. Amen. There's never a time that I'm up here preaching stuff or talking about stuff or a message because I've arrived. It's because I'm going through a process just like you. And so it's beautiful that we're able to do that with community. But again, happy Father's Day. If you're a father here today, I want you to own it. Let me say this. If you're a single father, props to you. If you're a single mother, props to you. Because, you know, I think about our relationship with with my wife and me and and raising children together. I mean, sometimes I barely feel like I'm doing it right together. And so I can't imagine being a single parent. I mean, relationships are work. Marriage is part of that relationship that you work, amen? But then we also have children. There's relationships there and different personalities and different ways to, to discipline and and what is proper discipline? It's training for their future, not punishment for their past, right? So it's, it's discipline and love and, and seeing their best interest and best person and who they are and trying to move them towards that in love. And so it's a process. So I can't imagine doing that as a single parent. So hats off to you as single parents as well. And also to, to those of you who maybe your kids have grown and they moved out, or maybe you've never had children, but you just, as a, as a male, you have that spirit of fatherhood. And so you've chose to mentor men and maybe young ladies in life and to help them see purpose and see that they have a blueprint and a design. And so, again, happy Father's Day to everyone here that's a father. We love you, and we're so glad that you're celebrating with us today. Before we go any further, though, I want to pray for the message, but I also want to pray for the fathers. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for every father here this morning. Man, what a precious time together to celebrate fatherhood. I just pray that you would... Just give a special grace to each father here this morning. Maybe a peace. Maybe there's circumstances they're going through right now. Maybe they don't have close relationship with a child right now. Maybe things have been severed and broken. I pray for healing and restoration in those areas. I pray for fathers who, who even are doing a good job and things are good, but maybe going through struggles in life and trying to measure up and feel like we're okay. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we're okay because you're okay and you're in us. In you, we live and move and have our being. Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we thank you for that this morning. Bless the fathers here. Give them wisdom. Give them knowledge. Give them discretion as they raise their children as fathers and as they they treat their wives correctly as husbands. But we thank you and we bless them. We also thank you for this time that we have together to look into your word this morning. I pray that it wouldn't be my words, it would be your words, not my opinion, but your opinion. We thank you 
that minds will be changed today about your goodness, your grace, and your love, and we'll walk out of here in a freedom we've never experienced before because of you, Holy Spirit. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. God is so good. I know I say it all the time, but I really, truly believe that. God is so good. But today we continue in our series, At the Movies. Say, At the Movies. And so what we're doing every week is we're, we're taking a movie that's popular, a movie uh, that is in theaters currently, and so there's usually a theme or an idea that runs through that, and we're taking that theme and idea, we're bringing it through Scripture, and we're applying it to our own life. How many know that art is beautiful? I believe that art is inspired by God, and I said this before, that sometimes when art comes out, whether it's movies or music or you know, uh, paintings or whatever, when it comes out warped, when it comes out weird, it's just because someone has a warped soul. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't inspired them and given them gifts in their heart. And so God's desire is to have intimate relationship with every single one of us. And as he does, he starts to help us see who we truly are in him. And then that warped soul becomes whole and restored and healed. And then those natural gifts and abilities he's given to us, they start to go through a soul that's being healed. And it just looks different. Amen. And so I think it's great to celebrate the arts and the art of movies. I love movies. We just watched one last night. It was really cool. But movies are a great way to move us, to, to engage with our soul. So as I was going through this week, I, I was thinking, you know, what movie could work? What direction should I go, Holy Spirit? And so I saw this movie. It's, out, it's called Adrift. Has anyone heard of Adrift? Two of us. Great. Um, that makes two of us, right? Well, it's not one of those blockbuster films. It's not a huge budget, but it's really this beautiful film, and I'd love to see it soon. And, and I was reading the synopsis of it, and I thought it was beautiful. And so today the title is Adrift, Feeling Lost at Sea. Now, in this movie, Adrift, it's loosely based on the true story of these two experienced sailors, Tammy Oldham and Richard Sharp. And they meet this couple, and the couple says, we have a boat. It's really, it's called a yacht, but it's a 44-foot sailboat, and we'd like for you to sail that from Tahiti to San Diego, where we live. Now think about this. Sailboat, Tahiti to San Diego, 4,000 miles. That's a lot of open water. And so in, in the midst of this, this was back in 1983, as they're going, they run into this hurricane. How many are familiar with Hurricane Raymond? Do you remember Hurricane Raymond coming through? It was crazy. So they ran into Hurricane Raymond. At its peak, it was 145 miles per hour, Category 4. I think it was the, the, the biggest storm or hurricane on record for this region ever at this time in 1983. So here they are on a sailboat. Okay, folks, not a cruise ship, a sailboat. Now, if you get a chance, just watch the preview. It's crazy. Maybe draw you in. I mean, CGI is amazing, right? But you see this boat. It's 44 foot, but compared to these waves, I don't know how big they were, but as these hurricanes swelling up, literally they're going up these waves, and I'm just going, whoa, like it sucked me, and I thought, oh my gosh, will they live? And so they end up getting in a wreck. Uh, when, when she comes to, she notices Richard is very hurt. There, there's no way he can function. In fact, he'll die if he doesn't get medical help. So it's up to her at this time with the boat in ruins to try to figure out how to get them both to safety. Now, I'm not going to tell you what happens because I don't want to ruin it for you. But, you know, I think about this idea of being an open sea. And I think that a lot of times we in our own life can feel like we're lost at sea. 
Without a show of hands, how many could agree with that, that we just feel lost at sea sometimes? I mean, we run into circumstances, we hit the storms of life, and we're like, what is going on right now? How, how am I to function in this situation? What should I do in this situation? And so I think a lot of times our life is like this, being lost at sea. Now, the feeling of open water is one thing. Let me just be completely honest and transparent today. I love swimming in swimming pools because I can see the bottom. I know what's in the swimming pool. It's usually just chlorine and me and a beach ball. But you go in the ocean, you never know what you're going to get. Now, I'm not against that. Okay, if you like doing that, and I've gone out to the ocean and I can swim, I'm not afraid of it. But there's just something about open water that's a little eerie to me. But imagine being lost at sea in open water, but not only that, in the midst of a storm. And I think a lot of times we go through this in life. And, and I get it, it's Father's Day. And so, you know, at first you might want to turn off and say, well, I'm a guy, I'm okay. But just, just, just go with me on this journey this morning because I really believe it's going to bring freedom to our lives. A, a place where we can open up and release some things to our Heavenly Father who loves us, by the way, who, who thinks we matter, by the way. And it will bring a freedom to us to be able, be able to be open and honest. So think about that idea of open water in the midst of a storm or being completely lost at sea. Wouldn't that be terrifying? And again, sometimes we feel like this in life, completely lost and terrified. Here's a question. Where does our anxiety, worry, hurts, and loneliness intersect with God as our father, our helper, and our healer? How many know God is our father? Now, when Jesus introduced this idea, this was like, whoa, what are you talking about? When Jesus said, our father, who art in heaven, we hear it and go, oh, that's a beautiful prayer. The Jews heard it and went, what? But the original Greek, the word father means source. So do we see God as our source for everything in life? Now again, why does this apply today at Father's Day? This whole message is for you dads, for you fathers, but it's, it's also for everyone else. But the point is this. Are we seeing God as our source for everything in life? Because as guys, it's easy sometimes to just do stuff on our own. And I'm talking to myself this morning. Sometimes it's easier to do stuff on our own, amen? What does the Bible have to do with my frustrations, my anxiety, my hurts? You know, I mean, isn't the Bible just about somewhere I go later after this life? Now, if you've gone here for any amount of time, you know the answer to that, right? Now, do I believe in an afterlife? Absolutely. To be absent from the body, this physical body, is to be present with the Lord. Is, does anyone know what that looks like? If you did, you wouldn't be here this morning. So I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know this. In my heart of hearts, that I will be with my Heavenly Father for eternity. But sometimes we look at the Bible as a book that only has something to do with afterlife. What if salvation had to do with life here and now? Do you know the meaning of the word salvation is preservation, deliverance, safety, healing, and wholeness? Now, let me ask you a question. How many could use a little bit of deliverance right now? A little safety. In fact, the, the idea of the word saved or savior in the time of the first century, if we could kind of get that mindset for just a moment, when Mary heard that she would have a son that would be the savior of the world, this word savior actually was a military term. Do you know that the Caesar called himself the savior of the world? He called himself the prince of peace. Really? Yeah, peace through war. Yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? And so he would set up his kingdom and he'd say, hey, I just saved you. 
Yeah, but you took us over and took all our stuff and now we're servants to you. I know, I saved you. You're welcome. But Jesus, the true Prince of Peace, was the Savior of the world. Think about that idea of deliverance and safety and preservation. He came and delivered us from the power of sin. He came and delivered us from this idea that we thought we were separate and enemies of God. And even Paul, he just reflects on the cross when he says, we were enemies of God, comma, in our minds. Jesus came to show us the heart of the Father. If you want to know what God is like, just look at Jesus. Read through. Jesus was one who would come into a place and heal everyone he saw. He would bring healing and restoration and deliverance and safety. He'd bring salvation everywhere he went. And then he says, I only do what the Father does. I only say what the Father says. Wow, Jesus, what are you saying? That God is just like me. Full display right here, right now. So even in the midst of those storms, when we're going through those storms of life and those things, he promised he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. He would never abandon us. And he's saying, will you trust me in this? The apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, in verse 7. He says, casting all your anxiety on him. That word anxiety, you could say casting all your cares and your worries. So you cast all your anxiety, your cares, your worries, your fears on him. Why? This is cool. Because he cares for you. Now, this is interesting to me that, that Peter would add this last line. He could have just said, hey, listen, guys, cast your cares on God and walked along. But he gives us the reason why. He says, because he cares for you. Now, to, to believe this, it takes childlike faith. I think of my kids, you know, what is childlike faith? My kids wake up every single morning knowing that there'll be food on the table, there's a roof over their head, there's heat in the winter, and maybe if we turn the air on at some point, because we don't want to you know, blow air all summer, right? We want to save some money. But they have all these necessities. They have clothing. They have lunch, money for school, or lunch to pack for school. They never wake up and go, I wonder. Now, some kids do. I get that. But in my household, they never wonder. See, they don't know what goes on. We could have a tight week. It could be tough. It could be rough. But you know what we do? We still provide for our children. That's childlike faith to wake up and say, I know they've got everything taken care of. I'm good to go. But listen to this. Why is it important that we have faith in this idea of casting our care in him? Because he's saying, I care for you. He says, I love you. And listen to this. Because it matters to me. You ever thought about that, that you matter to God? And I'm not talking about just like, yeah, I know, I prayed the prayer of salvation and I got my ticket to heaven, I'm good to go. No, I'm saying here and now. Do you know that the things you go through matter to him right now? Have you ever thought it's okay to go to him in prayer and say, wow, God, I'm going through some stuff right now? We think, well, God already knows. He already knows what's going on. Talk to him, get it off your chest. Say, Heavenly Father, this is what I'm going through and I just want to get this off my chest and I want to do what the Apostle Peter was inspired to write when he said, cast your cares on you, Heavenly Father, because you care for me. You know, I was thinking about this story a few years back. Uh, we went to Florida, and when you go to Florida, how many know there's water, open water everywhere? Hello, right? You ever got sunburned, been on a beach, been on a boat? I mean, they got all of it there. And so a few years ago, we went to, on this trip to Florida. We have family there, and my brother and sister-in-law have a, a fishing boat, and it's like, is it about 40 foot long? 32? Well, let me embellish it. It's like 100 feet long. It's huge. No. So they have this 32-foot boat. It's huge. It's got an underneath cabin. It's got everything to go fishing. Now, my brother-in-law, Kenny, loves to fish. 
And Kristen, my wife, loves to fish. And Ethan has got the bug. He loves to fish. And I don't like to fish. It's just not my thing. I, didn't, I wasn't raised. I have my wife put the worm on the hook when I go. I know. I know. So anyway, we're, we're, we're getting ready to go fishing, and they're all excited. I'm like, well, I'll go out. It'd be cool to be on the open ocean, and maybe we'll see some dolphins or something, you know, something cool. So we get into this boat, and when we take off, when you first go, there's this no-wake area, and you go through these buoys and stuff until you get into open water. So, you know, everything's cool. Everything's good. Now, just a little side note, just so you're familiar with me, um, I deal with this thing called motion sickness. So, you know, I take Dramamine wherever, trains, don't shake your head at me, Bruce. We don't judge in this church. So whether I'm taking a train, a plane, if I'm in the backseat of an automobile, I, I got to take Dramamine. Well, I didn't take my Dramamine that morning. But you know, it wasn't too bad when we first started out. And I had this cool idea. I thought, if I sit right up front, best seat in the house. So there I am up in the front, and I've got Aiden with me, who's like four or five at the time. We're sitting there like, this is so cool, you know, dolphins and stingrays, and it's just going to be wonderful, you know. And then Kenny took off at full speed. Because we were going like 25 miles out. So we're just cruising. I mean, we were just cranking through. And it was not smooth water on this day. It was pretty choppy and pretty rough. So we're cruising out there. And it's like, and I'm in the front going, oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm white knuckling that little bar on the side. And I'm holding my son with the other going, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. How many miles out? I went, really, I was yelling how many miles out because you can't talk or hear when you're going to the winds whipping past you. Man, at one point, we hit this wave. And we hit it so hard. I felt myself catapult up, I lost my grip, and I thought, we're dead. <laughs> Me and my son are going to see Jesus in like three seconds. I for sure thought we were going overboard. We didn't go overboard. It was even better. We slammed down on the floor of the boat as hard as my tailbone could slam, and I'm hurting. Aiden's crying. I'm like, this is a great vacation. He's, he's crying, he's freaking out, he's scared. And Kristen's yelling, stop, slow down. And Kenny's like, huh? And he finally stops. He's, he's, like, he's like, you gotta slow down. He's like, listen, baby, we just gotta get out there as quick as possible. I'm like, dude, did you see us? We're, we almost flew out of the boat. He's like, oh, you should ride in the back. It's a lot smoother back there. I'm like, oh, thanks, bro. I appreciate uh, all that wisdom after I'm up front for a while. So we get in the back and it was much better. But you know, through all that ordeal, we get about 25 miles out, we drop anchor, and at that point, I am miserable. I am seasick, I have motion sickness, I cannot function, folks. Has anyone ever dealt with just motion sickness? It is like from the pit of hell. It is the worst thing ever. All you want to do is throw up, but you don't. It's the worst thing ever. So I literally laid there for hours, because Kenny was being cool. He's like, hey, dude, you know, should we go back in? I'm like, no, I don't want to ruin it for you. And I'm sitting there like this. I have my head over my face. I'm like and he's like hey man we're gonna move over a little bit and I'm like great and he's like hey, when, when I raise the um, anchor up can you look in that little anchor box and make sure it's good I'm like I'm trying to just do everything I can it was just hell it was horrible you feel bad for me but it's funny because every time I read this scripture verse I think of that story this word cast, casting all your anxiety in him, it means to throw, this is in the Greek, it means to throw or hurl. Now, I know this is funny, and don't go home and say, hey, Pastor Andy said when he reads the scriptures, he thinks about vomiting. What I'm saying is, whenever I see this scripture, I think about that, that boat ride and how I want to hurl. You know, the, the word hurl means to throw with great force. So whether you're hurling 
or you're hurling, it's to throw with great force. And I think about that every time. But it's interesting that he uses this word in the Greek, which means to throw, to hurl, which means to throw with great force, to fling, to throw off, or to throw away. This is a deliberate act. What he's not saying is, hey, if you're going through something in life, you have cares and worry and anxiety, then, then just, take, you know, just take a minute and, and just let God know about it. No, he's saying cast, hurl, throw off, take that weight off of you, put it onto me, I can handle it. All through scripture, we're told to not worry. Towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, chapter six of Matthew, Jesus says these words, he says, don't ever worry. Jesus, what? don't ever worry. What are you talking about? Do you think that our maker knows us more than we know ourselves? I mean, science has proven that stress is killing people. He's saying, don't stress out. But Lord, the situation. Now, we're not minimizing the situations. We go through things that, that are traumatic. We go through things that, that are, I mean, wrongs are done unto us. You know, maybe we, we lose a job. Maybe, uh, you know, we lose a loved one. Maybe we lose a relationship. Maybe you today are like, it's Father's Day and I don't even have a relationship with this son and this daughter. So you struggle with those situations. But even in the midst of those storms, God, your heavenly Father, your source is saying to you, trust me and cast the care on me. It's deliberate. It's on purpose. Do it now. Why? Because stress will kill you. Now I get it. It's Father's Day. And for us as guys, society's told us a whole different story, right? But I want us to capture this today. Don't, don't turn off on me. Society has convinced us that men do not need to express emotion. We don't have to admit when stuff in life brings hurt or worry or anxiety. And if we do, it could look a little weird Maybe we're not normal, but listen, you're not weird because it's normal. Some of us today as guys, we, we need to get to a point where we realize that, that we have to let some things go. Last month when, when Nate Blouse was here, how many were blessed by his ministry? I remember on that Wednesday night when he was talking about the fact that we have this soul and it's so deep and it's so tremendous and we have things that happen all through life to us. Some things we remember, some things we push down, some things we've forgotten. But our soul is so deep. It's so massive. It can take on so much. But think about year after year. We're okay in our teen years and maybe our 20s. Then we hit our 30s and our 40s and our 50s. And for a lot of us, especially dudes, we don't release things. We don't let things go. We don't voice how we're feeling. We don't talk about the emotion. We don't say, Heavenly Father, I'm going through hell right now. And then we have this thing called midlife crisis. Well, of course. Your soul can't hold anymore. It's so toxic, it has to let go of some things. Now, I understand there's some, some things that go on there, you know, chemically and all that. But think about if we have this toxic soul where we never are open and honest with our Heavenly Father. You don't have to go tell everybody you're junk. See, there's a difference between drama and being open and honest. That's why it's important to have good relationships with people you can trust, people that you can open up to and you know they're, first of all, you know, this is, this is the thing in the church is we're afraid to say anything to anybody because, you know, what's the pat answer? We'll just have more faith. Well, brother, if you wouldn't have, or sister, if you would have, listen, most people when they screw up in life, they don't need you to point it out. They know they screwed up. 
they're suffering the consequences for it. Can I get an amen? So maybe we sit down with them, we empathize, we come down to that level where they are and say, listen, I'm here to listen. And as the Holy Spirit moves us, bring some scripture in, bring some revelation of the Spirit. But your, your, your motive should be to help them through this phase in life. But if you don't have anyone like that, you always have your heavenly father. He's always there. I say it all the time. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He won't abandon you. You're not an orphan. You're a son and daughter. And he cares about you. And what you're going through matters to him. So for some of us, we need to get some stuff off our chest. And I'll tell you what, it might be ugly at first. It might be. But God can handle it. He says, cast your cares on him. So, you know, whether we go through job loss, the, the loss of a loved one, a broken heart, um, sickness in our bodies, loneliness, you know, in a recent survey, this blew my mind, in a recent survey, 90% of Christians who were surveyed admitted to loneliness. 90%. And we're the people who follow Jesus, the master who says, I will never leave you or forsake you, yet we feel lonely. That blows my mind. And I think a lot of times it's because we're getting the wrong face of God presented to us. It's distorted. He's angry. He's mad. He's got issue with you. He's going to get you back. The truth is he loves you. He's happy with you. You're his child. Sure, he sees those things that even you don't like about yourself, those actions, those words, but the only way those change is by having a relationship with your heavenly father. Allowing him to show you who you truly are in your heart of hearts, the blueprint, the design he's put on your life, the fruit, the good works he's prepared beforehand so that you should walk in that. This is how we walk it out. This is how we do it. I love that song. Jerry, you were already going there with me, weren't you? But this is how we do it. This is how we live relationship. And, and we, we live it like proper humans, if that makes sense. We can only live truly human when we live through our Heavenly Father, when we live through the Christ who's in us and Him through us. That's the only way. And so many times it's just about us getting rid of those things. Maybe we've gone through physical or verbal abuse in life. I mean, the list can go on and on and on. But again, church, religion, society, it's taught us that being open and honest with our feelings isn't normal so what do we do if we're taught it's not normal what do we do we stuff down the feelings we hide the feelings we pretend like everything's okay I mean have you ever heard guys I mean my dad wasn't like this and, and, I, and I thank God for it, but men don't cry buck up son buck up buttercup how about this one walk it off my wife just left me. I'm supposed to walk that off? My child committed suicide. I'm supposed to walk that off? See, these little cliches, these little terms don't fit in real life most of the time. Now, I get that. We don't just need to be a bunch of whiny babies. I get that. But we have to have a line here, folks, where we see that even as men, it's okay to have emotions. It's okay to recognize that, wow, I have some deep hurts. Maybe it was your father, your mother, your uncle, someone at work, a close friend, a girlfriend, a wife, a child. We all deal with hurt. We all go through storms. But here's the thing. We can trust our father when he says, cast your cares, your anxieties, and your worries on me because I care for you. There is someone who cares for you, and it's your heavenly father. 
And so we go through life and we think, you know, I mean, no one else struggles like I do or has these issues, but the truth is everyone struggles. So why does the Bible say to cast your care on the Lord? Why does it say this? Why does the Bible say in Philippians not to be anxious about anything? Why does Jesus say at the end of Matthew chapter 6, don't ever worry? There's got to be something to this. Why does the Bible give us solutions to worry, anxiety, and fear? It's simply because we will most definitely experience these things. A couple characters in the Bible said a couple different things. Jesus said this. He said, hard trials and temptation are bound to come. Hard trials and temptation are bound to come. So you're going to go through things in life. You'll, you'll even be tempted in life. Now, as guys, we immediately go where I don't think we should always go. We go to the scandalous stuff, right? But sometimes we're tempted to worry. Sometimes we're tempted to be anxious and to give in to fear. Sometimes we're tempted to respond harshly in a situation because we feel vindicated by saying those words that way. See, when these happen, I call these triggers. And these triggers... Show us that we're living in fear. See, fear is the basis of all negative responses. How many know what the opposite of fear is? Love. See, a lot of times if I say, what's the opposite of love? We say, hey, no, the opposite of love is fear. But where love is present, the Apostle John tells us in 1 John, he says, where love is present, fear can't exist. So for walking in love now, this is a big deal, okay, when we're walking in love, because I say walking in love, and the first thing you think is, okay, am I loving people? No, no, no. Are you walking in your Father's love? Because when you walk in your Father's love, it changes your disposition in life. It changes how you respond. It changes how you see things in people. It changes the, the way that you handle every circumstance and situation. And again, in the midst of that storm, when you're in the middle of the sea and you're lost at sea in life, what do you do? The Apostle Peter tells us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, cast your cares and anxieties and worries on him. Look at this. Apostle Peter says this. He says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you. How many have gone through fiery ordeals in their life? How many are maybe doing that right now? You barely made it to church because of the fiery ordeal. He says, which comes upon you for your testing. Not that God's testing you, but he's saying in this, you know what happens when we, when we get squeezed hard by life? Our true character comes out. We see exactly where we are. And sometimes it's not very pretty. But see, God sees us differently. He said, listen, I've already put it in you. Will you trust me? Cast that care on me. And he says, as though some strange thing were happening to you. That, that's funny. He's, he's basically saying this. Hey, hey, listen, guys, you're going through some crap in life. I get it. But is that supposed to be strange or weird or odd? Because Jesus told us you're going to have trials in life. You're going to have temptation in life. And the Apostle John says, so don't be surprised. Here we are again. Dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. Wow. Now we could end there and it'd be a really happy message, right? The world hates me. I'm going to go through fire ordeals. And okay, we're not going to end there though. So the creator knows that we'll face hurt and fear and anxiety. We'll go through storms of life. We'll go through worry. So what's the answer? I mean, is the answer to just sit around and try to not feel those feelings or stuff those feelings down? How does the Bible and a true living God intersect with those pains and hurts we experience and the emotions they produce? Now, let's just hang here for a second. Let's talk about emotions. Emotions aren't bad. 
Emotions are neutral. They're neither good nor bad. It's a, it's a totally neutral thing. In fact, emotions are simply indicators of the thoughts that fill our minds. Think about this. Your emotions are simply indicators of the thoughts that fill our minds. Listen, when, when, when we have these emotional points in life, even men, we all do, our job is not to judge what I'm feeling. Because a lot of times we're like, I shouldn't feel this way. This feeling is wrong. This feeling is bad. Let me give you a real simple example. For instance, we get angry about something. And we're like, oh, this is wrong. I can't be angry. But the Bible says what? Be angry, but do not sin. It's what you do with the feeling. But listen, if someone takes advantage of a loved one or a child, I think there should be a little anger involved. If, if it does nothing to you, you must be dead. Uh, I'll tell you what, when I hear about this, this multi-billion dollar industry of sex trafficking, I get a little bit angry about it. Because that's someone's child. That's someone's son, someone's daughter. When I see the level of racism that still happens here in America so many years, I, I, I get angry about it. Someone tells a joke and they think it's funny and it grieves me and I get angry because it's not funny. Because you're talking about people. So anger's okay. But if I just hauled off and punched the guy in the mouth after the joke, it probably wouldn't be a good Christian witness. And it probably wouldn't change anything. Now, I felt that way. Have you ever felt like punching someone in the mouth? Come on, guys, raise your hand. It's okay. And you guys are so holy. Me and Adam, we, we know what's up. We'll punch each other later. But I felt that way where I just, I just everything within me is like, this is wrong. I want to haul off and just punch this person or I want to lash out with my words and say something. See, anger is not wrong. It's what you do with the emotion and the anger. Do you follow me so far? So we shouldn't tell ourselves, you shouldn't feel this way. Yeah, sometimes you should feel that way. But we don't always act on the feeling. So emotions and feelings are simply indicators of the thoughts that fill our minds. I like to say this, thoughts precede feelings. This is how it is in life. Thoughts precede feelings. If you have a feeling, good or bad, it's because of a thought that you've had or what you're thinking on. It's just, it's how the mind works. Thoughts precede feelings. So what do we do with these feelings caused by hurt and loss? Well, I love what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He says, don't fret or worry. Now, another translation says, do not be anxious for anything. Remember the first time I read that, you know, as an adult, and I went, come on, seriously, Paul? What have you been smoking, bro? Don't be anxious about anything, I've got like 13 things I can be anxious about right now. But he says, do not fret or worry. Instead, say that with me, instead of worry, what do you do? You pray. Now, we could just scan over that and go, oh, okay. So I just go, Father God, I thank you for this worry. I pray that I get better. I mean, you know, that's not prayer. Prayer is relationship. Prayer and worship are simply relationship. Prayer is talking to God. It's getting stuff off your chest. It's saying, right now I have a choice. I can fret. I can worry. I can be anxious because this is real life right now. I'm lost at sea. I might be close to losing my house or my vehicle. My, my child just got this diagnosis. We've got to do further testing. My wife just left me. My husband just left me. I'm going through a storm. I'm lost at sea. And all I want to do is be anxious right now. I want to worry. I want to fret. And he says, no, talk to your heavenly father. He goes on to say, let petitions and praise shape the worries into prayers. 
letting God know your concerns. But look at this. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Sometimes we just need to be settled down. We need that peace that surpasses all understanding. Can I get an amen? And then he says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Now in Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says to pray without ceasing. We've talked about this before. If prayer was that thing we do where we kneel at the side of our bed with our hands folded and our head bowed and pray, well then how can that work? How can you do that without ceasing? You got to go to work, you got to prepare a meal, you got to run the kids to soccer practice or football practice. We have to do life. I get it. But praying without ceasing is possible because prayer is simply talking to God. You can talk to God 24-7. It doesn't have to be religious. You don't have to be at church. You don't have to be at your bedside. Now, you can. And I think if if you have the ability to put 30 or 60 minutes aside a day and have that time, but I'll be honest with you, I don't always have that time. I don't. I'm married. I have four kids. I have four grandkids. Kids are in sports and all kinds of stuff. And so you know what I have to do? I have to find time through the day to talk to my Heavenly Father. And it's become so natural and organic that I don't feel religious at it. I just say, wow, man. I find myself sometimes just simple things, like something goes really cool. I'm like, man, God, isn't that cool? Yeah, isn't that awesome? I mean, if you're standing next to me, you're like, who's he talking to? But it's so natural to me. If a situation comes up, I'm like, okay, Heavenly Father, you got an answer for this. I'm not going to fret. I'm not going to worry. No, I don't always say that. There's times where I worry, and two hours into the worry, finally the Holy Spirit gets through and says, are you going to give this to me or not? And I have to say, yes, I give it to you. And I might have to say that 16 times in an hour. But do you choose to give? Do you choose to cast, to hurl those things onto him? Amen? So throughout life, you're just talking to your father about what you're feeling about what you're experiencing. And by the way, it's a father who truly desires to hear what you are feeling and experiencing. He's not gonna shut you off. I'm too busy. I'm in China right now. I got some stuff to deal with. Nope, he's everywhere. He's with you. He never leaves you. And what do we do? I often say this, that prayer is more for us than God. Because sometimes it's not like I say stuff to God and he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Oh my God, oh my me, I didn't see that coming. But when we get it off our chest, we're presenting it to him. And what are we doing? We're casting our cares, our worries, our fears, our anxieties, those circumstances on him. Imagine for a minute the Heavenly Father sits down with you and says, let's talk this out. What are you feeling? What are you going through? And then realizing that it's his goodness, it's his kindness that changes our minds about those feelings and experiences. See, again, God is not shocked at what we feel or experience. He sees it coming. He knows things are coming, but he already has an answer planned beforehand. We just have to trust him, amen? So listen, we've all dealt with with doubt, with anxiety, uh, with worry. We've all struggled with these things. Christians struggle, period. Sometimes we think for some reason that because I prayed that salvation prayer, everything's cushy now. Well, the truth is life comes at everybody, and sometimes, guess what? You don't even deserve it. 
But life still comes at us, and so we struggle. I mean, we have the flesh to deal with. I don't always walk in the Spirit. Sometimes I walk according to the flesh. Now, I'm always in the Spirit. He never leaves me, but I have a choice that I can make every day. But we also have old thinking. We have to renew our minds. We'll have trouble that comes in this life even when we don't deserve it. That's the truth. So don't be shocked at what you feel. And let me say this this morning. Don't be shocked at what you've even done. Some of us need to release those things today. We look back, well, two months ago, two years ago, 10 years ago, I did this thing, and we hold on to it. We can't forgive ourselves. We can't even love ourselves. We can't even walk on and walk through this. And God's saying, listen, I've already forgiven that. Will you receive the forgiveness? I've already got a plan. Stop comparing yourself to the things that you do because you are not a culmination of what you do. Sometimes we do things that are out of character, right? But what, who we are on the inside, we're only going to realize when we relate with our Heavenly Father, when we cultivate this relationship with him, and then we'll start walking out those things. So let yourself feel. Talk to God about those feelings. But here's the clincher. Here's the settling factor. If you're hoping for the healing of your emotions, don't stuff them down and don't try to fix them. Did you catch that? If you want healing in your emotions, don't stuff them down and don't try to fix them. Listen, I get it, guys. I'm a dude and I'm a fixer. My wife comes to me with a problem. I'm like, okay, I've got this figured out in two seconds. Let me tell you what's up. It usually doesn't go very well because they just wanted me to listen. But as men, we tend to want to just fix things. And so when we see something, we, we see an issue. I'm like, what can I do? What can I do to fix this? I need to fix this right now. And I shouldn't feel this way. And I want to fix this. When the truth is instead, we need to look to the source, which is our thought life. What are we thinking on? In the last scripture today, Romans 12, 2, we quote this a lot, but it's, it's such a great truth to get. In verse 2 of Romans 12, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do you notice he's saying will be transformed? That word transformed is the same as when Jesus was transfigured. And this transfiguration was a complete change of who he was. It actually is the word metamorphosis. So our changes come by renewing our mind, changing our thoughts. You know the word repentance in the Greek means to change your mind? I think we, we've preached that wrong. Repent, repent. And we think it's coming down an altar and groveling and hoping God's okay and somehow forgives you. Repentance is changing your mind and saying, you know what? I spent time with my father. And you know what? He thinks differently than me. And, and, and I see in this situation in my life, I keep going off course because of my thinking. But man, Father, I see it now. It just clicked. The light bulb went off. And that's where transformation happens. When we say, God, I trust you. And I believe your thoughts. And I will take your thoughts from my life. And I will trust what you're saying. Notice he didn't say, you're transformed when you finally stop feeling this stuff. You're transformed when you change the emotions. See, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your thinking, not transformed by the renewing of your feelings. Why? Thoughts precede feelings. And so it's all about mind change, isn't it? For a lot of us, it's seeing ourselves as God sees us. Because some of us have a really distorted picture. 
We see ourselves as orphans, as dirty, rotten scoundrels. God's angry. He wants nothing to do with us. He can barely look at us unless he puts on those, he gets on his, his nightstand and he finds his Jesus glasses. Okay, I can look at you now. No, he can look at you because you're his son and you're his daughter. And that's truth. So when are we going to start seeing ourselves like God sees us? The answer isn't to change or fix our feelings, but to change and fix our mind. Now, I love this word fix because when I first say it, there's a couple different meanings. We think, yeah, I need to fix my mind. But the word fix also means to secure or fasten our minds to new thinking. Think about that. The word fix is to secure. You ever, we had to affix that. It's attaching your mind. It's affixing your mind to new thinking. What thinking? God's thoughts. So do we need new feelings? No, we need new thoughts. You ever heard that term input equals output? You've heard garbage in, garbage out, good in, good out. This is really the life that we go through. How do we see those toxic emotions and negative feelings change? By changing our thoughts. Error in equals error out. Truth in equals truth out. And let me tell you something. God is always showing you truth about who you are. Always. He sees you for who you truly are. And he's trying to introduce yourself to yourself and say, this is who you are. You are good. You're perfect in my eyes. Think about this. When Jesus went to the river and John baptized him, Jesus didn't do one miracle. He hadn't even started ministry. And when he came up out of the water, the clouds opened up, the Holy Spirit descended, and he says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And all he did was be his son. So stop trying to do things to garner his love and pleasing him. Do we do good things? Absolutely. But when you do it in your own effort and you're trying and you're striving, you will burn out quicker than anything. I've been there. I've done that. I had the t-shirt and the hat, folks. Totally burn out. But when we receive that love, when we realize he's pleased with us just because we are who we are. I shared this a few weeks ago. The Apostle Paul was saying that nothing can separate us from the love of God. And he goes through this whole list of things that can't separate us. And then the final thing, he says, no created thing can separate you from the love of God. How many in here are created things? Even you can't separate yourself from the Father's love. It's impossible. That's who God is. So what is the truth in this matter? His truth that sets us free in our thinking. What God's telling us is, look to me, not to others or the circumstances. So in conclusion today, do we try and fix our feelings and emotions? No. Who is the healer of our hurts? Our Heavenly Father. When we change our thinking, we trade an error for truth. Can I get an amen? Isn't God good? Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, we thank you so much for the scriptures. We thank you so much for the word of God, Jesus Christ. We thank you so much for the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory. I pray this morning that no matter what we're going through, whether it's a good day, whether it's a bad day, 
that we would, we would choose to put you as our main focus in life. And if we are going through those feelings and those emotions from hurts, I mean, someone did me wrong. I did lose my job. I got that bad report. I'm dealing with situation. The pressure is so tough right now. And I haven't been able to tell my spouse or my children or friends about it because I'm embarrassed. embarrassed. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I pray that we would take you on your offer and cast those cares, anxieties, and worries on you because you care for us and what we're going through matters to you. I just pray for peace over every person here this morning, especially those who are struggling with the issues in life, those who feel lost at sea, that they would be able to reach out and say, Heavenly Father, you love me, you care for me, and I now, by an act of my will, will release those things to you. If you're here this morning and maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus, a decision to follow Jesus, it's really simple. It's just believing that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus. Jesus came and displayed the love of the Father to humanity. And even in the midst of that, humanity put him on a cross and crucified him. But through that death and burial and resurrection, the resurrection is saying no to the world system and yes to humanity, saying you are worth it and you matter. God simply wants relationship with you. If you're here this morning and you never made that decision for Jesus, never made a decision to follow Jesus and say, yes, I want to have a relationship with the Heavenly Father, just quickly raise your hand. I believe when we raise our hand, it's just an outward expression of what's happening in our soul. We're saying yes to Jesus. I thank you for every person here this morning, Heavenly Father. Those who have made that decision today, those who have made that decision in the past, we trust you. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, you're with us. You'll never leave us. You'll never forsake us, and we can depend on you. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Thank you. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.